What's up, birds? Sending it back in along the left-hand side. 7.40 to go. Puck in front. Connolly with a chance. And they score! They score! The puck on a rebound for Lars Eller! Eller gets the rebound and puts it home. And Washington leads it. 4-3 with 7.37 to go. The Tiger pouncing at the moment that he can potentially be the hero. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Adam Stringham. Today I'm happy to be joined by Greg Young and the one and only John Press. Um, John, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Can't complain, uh, all things considered, given the state of the world. Uh, I'm uh, doing quite all right. How are you? Oh, I'm good. As, as good as you can be. Uh, right. Little one's getting very close to a year old, so that that's crazy. Uh, my dad's actually in town, so that's nice, but... Uh, you know, it, it's nice to be around lots of people that you know, and that doesn't happen very often, which, you know, Greg, you're you're like off on your own in the wilderness. How are things over in Europe? They're good. They're good. They're good. I'm, I'm uh, currently in the Netherlands uh, sitting in, uh, I guess, what I would call a glorified dorm room, uh, charitably called the studio apartment. And uh, things are things are going well here. The only the only downside is as we're recording this, it's uh 11:50 at at night. So you know, if uh, if I had do a yawn or two, that'll that'll be why. Well, no, nothing says that our contents, uh, you know, <laughs> like, like like you yawning, Greg. Well, okay, okay. Can I can I also say though, uh, the JP got the one and only, but uh, I did not. So you know, I uh, I feel like my the expectations for my content might be a little lower from you. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, we'll 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 learn to deal with low energy, Greg. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit, guys. I mean, the the preseason has started. Uh, Capitals dropped their opener to Boston. wasn't the most exciting game, but it, it had some exciting moments, and it was kind of our our first chance to see kind of all the Capitals' young players that they've drafted over the last two years. Given that we didn't have a preseason last year, before we kind of talk about the Guys that we expect to make the squad, you know, addition, subtraction. Did, did either of you, well, I guess I don't even know if you guys watched the game, but assuming you did, did anybody stand out to you? Starting with you, John. Um, uh, I did not watch a moment of that game, um, but I can tell you that uh, Dylan McElrath stood out uh, in not great ways, both uh, when he was doing dumb things and when he was trying to actually play hockey. Uh, and as a result, he probably you probably won't be seeing him in a, a Caps uniform uh, anytime soon. I think that uh, they brought him in. Uh, it, it, it I wouldn't say they brought a guy in for one game in particular, but uh, I do think that he probably would have broken camp with the team and played in that opening night uh, Rangers shit show uh, if if not for this four game suspension, uh, two preseason games, two regular season games that he got. So now he would have to serve those. And uh, so I don't know that they'll have much utility for him uh, beyond uh, that Rangers game. So uh, missed opportunity, lost opportunity for him, but uh, he is what we thought he was, which is not a terribly talented uh, or NHL caliber 
player. Uh, otherwise, I heard you know good things about Hendrix Lapierre. Uh, heard mix, some mixed things about uh, McMichael and Alexiev, but you know first game. Uh, and you know you also got to remember for some of these guys, it's really the first game in a long, long time because uh, some of these guys had their seasons canceled last year due to uh, COVID and whatnot, and, or at the very least cut short. So, uh, obviously, you know, I'm not putting too much, uh, weight in any performances, uh, from the, from that game or the next handful or any of them really, but, uh, that, that's a long way of saying, no, I did not watch that game. <laughs> Greg, what about you? Did you, uh, bother to, to stay up till one or two in the morning to watch that game? Uh, I cannot say that I did. Uh, I did watch the highlights the next day. Uh, I just got to sit and, and admire JP, who is the real pro here. You know, he didn't watch a game and managed to uh, expound upon it for a couple of minutes there. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Um, you know, I think it's also, I, one, I didn't watch, and actually, two, I think it's justified not to watch these games a little bit. It's for a couple of reasons. It's something JP talked about earlier, which is that this is the first hockey game that a lot of these people have played in a very long time. And we forget with COVID, you know, and how much junior leagues and how much, you know, the semi or the, uh, you know, kind of developmental leagues have been delayed and everything like that. So, you know, it's, it's hard for anyone to really look at one game or I would even say pretty much the whole preseason and really take anything of serious value from it. And the other thing that's worth considering, too, is that the lineups aren't particularly stable in preseason games. Coaches are going to try different things. Players are going to try different roles. And, you know, the odds are that Laviolette's looking at those games less as a really caring about them winning and more just kind of a, hey, let's try LaPierre. Let's see how the kid looks. Let's see how McMichael looks. And, you know, I just think the amount of that analytical value that you're going to get from these games is pretty slim. Well, as the only one here who watched the game, albeit I, I, I was on a tape delay, um, I, I thought it was it was fine. I mean, no, no one really stood out to me. I mean, JP did nail it. I thought um, Rat was, was just a total, uh, I mean, reckless hit, been just awful. Glad he got suspended, was, was really not a fan. Um, and it was nice to see the young kids in the lineup, even if they, they really – didn't put a ton of points up except for Lapierre. So um, preseason is preseason, as, as JP said, not a lot to really look into, but it was nice to see the Caps back on the ice. And um, as the preseason goes on, we'll, we'll get to see kind of the big guys. You know, Vetchkin we, we didn't see against the Bruins, and we get to see him now. Um, a couple guys we won't be seeing, uh, really the most important one is Brendan Dillon, who the Capitals did offload um, immediately after the expansion draft. Uh, John, I, I know some of the fan base uh, felt, felt there was a pretty big split on Dylan. Some guys really liked him. They felt that he brought a lot of sandpaper. He had good kind of underlying numbers. But I mean, me, I mean, I could say from my own experience, I didn't think I didn't really like him. I, I, didn't, I didn't think that he moved the puck particularly well, and I thought way too many possessions died with him. Um, what were kind of your thoughts on Dylan, and, and what do you think his departure means for how the rosters shake out? Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I, I thought he was fine. He had his moments. Uh, I, I don't think he was worth the money he was making and the commitment that they had 
left on that contract. So I wasn't upset to see him go for a couple picks, um, one of which they turned around and uh, flipped to Seattle to bring uh, Vitek Vanacek back. Uh, in a curious move, you wonder almost why Seattle hadn't just taken Dylan and then flipped him for two picks uh, that, uh, instead. But uh, in any event, um, you know, I think you're right. He wasn't a particularly skilled puck mover, of course. That's uh, not what he was uh, here to do. Uh, I kind of worry about a guy like that this year, especially there's this... Uh, new theoretical uh, crackdown on cross-checking, right? Uh, It's going to be a point of emphasis uh, that they're not going to let all that, uh, all those little uh, cross-checks to the kidneys uh, go. And, you know, for a quote-unquote stay-at-home defenseman uh, who's crease clear or whatever uh, terminology you want to use, that takes away one of their, their, major uh tools or their major uh methods of of doing that crease clearing so i mean dylan's already a guy who racks up tons of penalties uh and if they really if they're serious about uh eliminating this cross-checking uh stuff that's going to be even more so i i don't mind uh losing a guy like that uh hopefully it makes room for uh, a Faravari, uh, you know, maybe Alexeyev, uh, and a guy like, uh, even a guy like TVR, uh, to get into the lineup. Uh, maybe, uh, also we'll see where uh, Michael Kempney is and, and that kind of thing. They just had a very crowded, uh, blue line and it was blocking up, uh, the chance for some of the younger guys that they want to take a look at. And and so, you know, I think that I, I don't think that they'll miss uh, his contributions, although I, I don't think he was a, a terrible player or anything. Yeah, yeah, definitely can understand that. Um, he was kind of that kind of middle middle pairing defenseman. Um, Greg, uh, any quick thoughts on Dylan or more importantly, the departures of Craig Anderson or Michael Raffle? Really, really giving me the uh, the murderer's row there. Um, the uh, you know, I, I think with I think with um, you know with Dylan that I I almost wonder, and I think I've speculated on this before, if he actually was a little bit miscast in his role. I think the Caps saw him as a bit of a defensive defenseman, kind of put him with Carlson a lot, and he never really seemed to thrive in that role. And it was curious to me that the one player he did thrive with was. Uh, the actually defensive-oriented Trevor Van Riemsdyk. So, you know, that was interesting to me, but I agree. I mean, Dylan was clearly overpaid for the role that they were giving him. And uh, when you have a Caps roster that's capped out and they needed to extend Ovechkin, that kind of made sense. I mean, in an ideal world, I think you can question whether, like, you know, could they have gotten something for Justin Schultz instead? Because I really wasn't impressed with him last year. But, um, you know, I, I think, it, you know, that was a perfectly reasonable decision by Brian McCullen. And uh, really getting two seconds for Dylan was not a bad return. I thought it was going to be worse than that. So, uh, yeah, like, I think that was fine. In terms of Michael Raffle, uh, it's fine. Um, you know, he I, I don't I don't think that that was ever going to be a long term thing. And uh, Craig Anderson got himself a starting job. 
I think, right? In Buffalo, which is uh, fascinating to me why he'd want to end his career there. But, you know, there you go. So, uh, Craig, uh, you were you were way better in the playoffs than I thought you would be. And then you probably got tired and hurt. And so that was a bummer. But uh, I we, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll have fond memories for the Craig Anderson era as a Washington Capitals goalie. Yeah, he did play pretty well in the playoffs. Um, let, let's move on a little bit of talk about, well, first off, I don't really have the Capitals having had any truly notable um, new players coming into the team. Do do either of you feel differently about any of their additions? I, I sure don't. <laughs> I mean, what, what are we talking about here, Matt Irwin? Uh, you know, the, I think the the biggest impact player. Well, I mean, they did make that uh, deal to get that that goaltender Vanacek. So yeah. that that's a big uh, I, I was change. Not, I was not including his cup of tea. Yeah, that's a big change from last year. Um, big change. You know, I, I think that uh, hopefully if you're the Caps, you're hoping that your biggest uh, new contrib- contributors uh, are going to be some of those guys who've been in Hershey uh, marinating for a little while, you know, and, you know, you hope that it's Connor McMichael. You hope that it's uh, Alexeyev. You hope that it's Faravari. You know, it, it's uh, these are the guys that you probably need uh, to step up and, you know, obviously they were incredibly limited in what they could do in the off season in part, uh, you know, mostly because of the cap. And I think we can get to some of that stuff, uh, related issue, uh, in a minute or two, but, um, so, you know, it's time they're going to probably, uh, to an extent, uh, sink or swim based on what kind of contributions they can get, from uh, from those players uh, and not any t- type of free agents or uh, trades that they made over the summer. Now, JP, you bring up an interesting point. We all know how old the Capitals roster are, and we keep waiting for this this next wave of talent to come. I mean, it's been a I can't even think of the last Capitals player to break through and make significant co- contributions at the big club, someone that they drafted internally. I mean, uh, who'd be Maybe the last Rana, one? Maybe you would uh, say? Rana or Siegenthaler. And then I guess Sam, Samsonov has got to be the guy. So the, I'll give him that one. But it's it's been a while. And, I mean, so I, I'm not going to read through the whole the whole roster projection, but what we're getting from kind of the daily face-off, they don't have any youth in this Capitals lineup. Uh, I'll tell you that. It's basically the same exact roster from last year with Kempney getting big minutes and then TVR instead of, uh, Chara. So it, it's really, it's an interesting dynamic because the Capitals are still one of the oldest teams in the league, but they, they don't, they still don't have a ton of wiggle room to get these guys in. Um, or they wouldn't if Nicholas Baxter wasn't hurt. So John, real quick again, before I pivot back to you, Greg, John, what, what does Backstrom's injury right now, as bad as it is, how does it give an opportunity to those kind of young forwards that you were just talking about? Well, I mean, it's a couple of different issues here uh, that you uh, that you bring up. First of all, you know, we don't know how bad Backstrom's injury is, but it sure sounds like uh, they're getting ready to be without him for a, a decent amount of time. Uh, what that means, who knows? You know, they, he's officially listed as week to week. I saw Lars Eller say they're getting ready to uh, – do without him for a little while. So uh, I think it's safe to say that it's uh, not, uh, you know, he's not going to be there opening night. He's not going to be there probably uh, for a little while. 
And uh, I don't think this is a surprise to the Caps. Uh, and the more you think about it, you know, I think it's probably one of the reasons that Evgeny Kuznetsov is still here. Because uh, here's a guy, a guy clearly that they uh, have been frustrated with and, uh, to my mind, were ready to part ways with uh, over the summer. But, uh, you know, certainly you weren't going to get full value for Kuznetsov. Uh, and if you're going to trade a guy like that for pennies on a dollar, you can only do it when uh, your roster is not going to be significantly uh, crushed by a move like that. But, you know, they probably have known for a while that Nick Backstrom wasn't going to be ready and that he's got this lingering thing. And, uh, oh, by the way, it's the kind of injury that guys uh, get when they get older and they kind of, you know, he's already had a hip surgery. And, uh, you know, who knows where it goes from here. But, you know, for a team that fancies itself a contender, uh, you could not start the season without Backstrom uh, and without Kuznetsov. So they're left once again kind of hoping and praying that Evgeny Kuznetsov of uh, May 2018 uh, somehow walks through that uh, door in the locker room and uh, can carry the team uh, down the middle uh, early on. I mean, even Lars Eller's uh, maybe a little nicked up to start uh, the preseason. So uh, I think that Backstrom's injury, I mean, he, he led them in scoring last year, you know, uh, by a, a decent amount. I mean, he, he in the, what they play, like 56 games or whatever they played, uh, he had 10 more points than any other forward on the team. Uh, he, he put up uh, big numbers. Obviously, you can't overstate how important Nick Backstrom is to this team. Um, but his, him being out does provide opportunity. Uh, we'll see where, uh, Peter Laviolette goes with that opportunity. Uh, you know, you could see a guy like McMichael getting time. Uh, you could probably also see a guy like, uh, Nick Dowd moving up and getting, getting third line minutes with, uh, Eller on the second line and some plug playing on the fourth line, you know, given, uh, NHL coaching orthodoxy and whatnot. But uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. It's a lot of uh, cap space that they could theoretically play with in the short term if they uh, put them on long term into re- reserve. But it does get to the, the bigger point. This is not uh, a young team, as you said, you know, the, probably the oldest team in the league. And, and that's even with getting rid of I, th- I think they're the oldest team by two full years on average, Jesus if I'm not Christ. mistaken. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that that is uh, and that's with getting rid of Zdeno Chara. Uh, so, you know, it but but that doesn't you know, that in and of itself isn't a death knell. You know, age uh, d- doesn't, you know, mean that they're not good. Uh, I think the what you talk about about the infusion of young talent uh, the real problem isn't the in, the infusion of youth in that equation. It's the infusion of talent in that uh, equation. And, you know, do they have enough of that? You know, they traded their best young player. Uh, and this is, you know, Brana gone, you know, on the heels of a guy like Burakovsky being gone. And, you know, uh, Sprong is a good young player that they picked up uh, who fills some of that void, I think. But uh, the reality is, uh, obviously, you know, guys like Oshie and Ovechkin, uh, 
uh, aren't getting any younger. Uh, they need probably the Tom Wilsons of the world to take a, a step, uh, but who knows how, how many uh, how much room he has really to improve his game. Uh, Mantha certainly has to be uh, a, a good goal scorer and a productive member of this team. So, you know, where what they're lacking to me isn't, you know, youth as much as talent. And uh, there is talent there, to be sure. Um, but, you know, will it come together? Will it show? Uh, with Nick Backstrom out, it, it makes it that much harder. Yeah, it's a good point, John. And, you know, the one thing with age, though, is you do expect more injuries. Sure. And that, that's definitely a concern, especially with the talent. Um, pool not being as deep as, as it maybe has been in the past. Greg, I, I want to get your take as well. I mean, first, uh, Baxter being out, we know how important it is. But, you know, how do you see the roster shaking out with, with him at, him being uh, sidelined for at least the, the first few weeks? Well, I mean, maybe uh, welcome to a really big NHL role, Nick Dowd, right? <laughs> like, I mean, he, uh, if Baxter's out for an extended period of time, I, you know, I think that, I, you know, I have my skepticism that LaViolette's going to really play McMichael. It seems like the Caps think he still, you know, would benefit with some time in the AHL. Uh, so, you know, you would think that he might get moved up in the lineup. Now, you know, I think that there's kind of an interesting question with Nicholas Backstrom, which is, uh, you know, I think first we have to say analytically, is this a week to week where they're just being cautious and is he going to be out for maybe the first few weeks? And we say, all right, it's early. Let's play the kids. Let's see what happens, you know, with with the kind of first month or so in the NHL being a mess anyways. Maybe you look at maybe you look at that as being an opportunity to play a, you know, McMichael, you know, that kind of that kind of thing. Um but, you know, if this is a more long-term thing, and it might well be, and it also might be the issue that even if Backstrom returns, that this might be an injury that really kind of hobbles him for a while, um, you know, then I think it's more of an open question about how they exactly see this roster shaking out. Yeah, I think that we talk about, obviously, Backstrom being potentially on LTIR would pre up some cap room. But, you know, if you're expecting the, you know, him to come back in the second half of the year, which, God, I would hope that it's not that long-term, then, you know— that you can't really do that much with that cap space. So I think it's it's a really difficult question. I think Laviolette and the Capitals have to figure out exactly, you know, do they want to, what do they see the role of McMichael being, at least for the first, you know, half of the year? Do they think that they can get by with a, you know, kind of Kuznetsov, Eller, Dowd and question mark center tandem, which, man, that doesn't sound super promising. But, you know, maybe they think that that could work. Maybe they think that Dowd is ready for a third line center role. I don't I don't think he is, but maybe he is. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's kind of an interesting question with Backstrom is both, you know, one, is this going to be a long term thing and kind of what are the ramifications if it are? And two, you know, if he's going to be playing with something through the whole year, you know, that that could be a problem in its own right. I mean, Backstrom himself is yeah. not the fastest player anymore. And, you know, I, I obviously his game isn't going to depend on him being super quick. But, you know, if he loses another half step or so because of that, could this impact him in a, in a you know, kind of way that we couldn't foresee right now? And so. These are all just open questions. And like, I mean, part of the thing with the Caps being as good as they have been for as long as they have is that 
the roster, you know, the uh, the prospect pool kind of diminishes over time. And particularly in a hard cap league with a, you know, drafting where, you you know, a, a kind of a system where if you're good, you draft lower in the lower in the, uh, you know, the NHL draft. And so I think some of this is probably inevitable, but it doesn't really do us any good right now because, you know, the prospect pool isn't very good. So I think it's it's just kind of an open question. Yeah, I mean, I keep trying to, like, debate the hooks here, get you guys to talk about how good the Caps' two young forwards are, but neither of you guys are really uh, jumping on this McMike. Well, we don't really know, right? Like, I mean, we haven't – We've Connor McMichael has played one game in the NHL, and he's looked he's looked good in Hershey. He's, he's scored wherever he's gone, but, I, you know, like, sometimes with prospects, you just don't know. And I think he could be really good, but, you know, the other question is – is really good a you know a like a like a top six center like right now is that is that what what it is you know is that the could he develop into a top line center I I don't know but you know or is really good for him maybe like a you know kind of middle six forward right now I I, I don't I don't know what that is and there's no way of knowing until he's really in the NHL and playing regularly and what better opportunity to do that Greg than when you got a nice glaring mm-hmm. hole in your middle six. <laughs> I mean, I would play him. I think I would. I'm just the, you know, I don't know if LaViolette's going to see it the same way. That That's kind of my question. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, uh, that, that's definitely a concern. I mean, I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, the Capitals had a ton of injuries down the stretch last year, and there was an expectation that we might see some youth infused into the lineup during, when, when that took place. And that is not what we saw happen. I believe we saw Lars Eller step up and play more of that enhanced role instead. Which, and we saw them play with like 11 forwards, right? Like a decent amount of time, too. Yeah. Uh, so I guess my last question on this, John, is uh, who, who do you think takes Backstrom's minutes right now? Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be by committee. Um, it, it's going to be the offensive minutes probably go to Kuznetsov, but kind of the two way minutes might go to Eller. And, you know, Dowd probably takes up some of the uh, defensive minutes. But, you know, on Dowd, it, it's going to be hard for Laviolette not to uh, to to go with him as kind of a safer choice. And, you know, not only is he a guy who, you know, plays those defensive minutes and, uh, you know, does all right in them, uh, I suppose. They, that, that fourth line had some ups and downs last year. Uh but he had 11 goals last year, and, you know, that's as many goals, uh, uh, you know, that's two fewer goals than Tom Wilson had. That's, you know, that's more goals than Eller had. That's more goals than Kuznetsov had. That's two fewer goals than Sprong had, for crying out loud. You know, so, you know, he, he's shown some pop, and if you've got a responsible you know, veteran center who wins 56% of his draw, draws or whatever— uh, and can pop in a few goals, you know, it, how it, a coach has been around as long as Peter Laviolette, it's hard to see him not gravitating towards a dude like that and elevating him uh, for for maybe a bigger role over giving it to a kid. But, uh, you know, maybe I'll be surprised and maybe, maybe McMichael will uh, get big minutes. But, uh, you know, to me, it's probably going to be mostly Kuznetsov, Eller, and Dowd. You know, I think that would be kind of the conservative uh, betting at this point. Yeah, 
I guess that makes sense. Uh, it does beg the question of how you ever get youth into the lineup if you if you don't take advantage of when the the roster has a spot for them. Um, I do 100% agree with you that the most likely outcome is is, is not to give one of those guys big minutes. Um, but uh, move, moving on from that one, I, I did want to talk about some, some happier news. Uh, the NHL has been very compliant with getting uh, their players vaccinated, and the Capitals are 100% vaccinated. I know, Greg, this was something that you were interested in speaking about, so I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great to hear that the Capitals are fully vaccinated. Uh, we were, uh, JP, we were kind of talking a little internally, uh, but that uh, it's really nice that, like, we kind of, I mean, the Capitals were so decimated by COVID last year. I mean, so was everyone, both in the world and the NHL. Um, you know, and it, it kind of feels like we've got we've come a long way, right? Like, in terms of at least the NHL. I think it, it shows, for one, that, mandates work, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, take with that politically what you will. But I think in the NHL, we've seen the, the kind of NHLPA and the NHL as a whole really start to crack down on, you know, unvaccinated players and say, OK, look, you know, you don't have to get the vaccine, we guess, but there's going to be real consequences if you do. And just kind of seeing, you know, the players, I think, make what is clearly the right decision is is really a relief. And, uh, you know, it's I think you could even see that with the news today of Mackenzie Blackwood potentially making a mess of, you know, the New Jersey goaltending situation because he uh, insists on getting his news from some interesting sources on Instagram. I'll uh, say it like that. But, uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's just nice in a way that we don't have to worry about it from that, from a Capitals angle, that we can kind of just focus on hockey. I mean, this is a team that just lost so many games last year, uh, so many COVID man games to really important players. And the fact that, you know, these players, I think, for the Capitals all chose to make the right decision is both important, you know, from a team standpoint, but I think there's also a societal benefit to it as well. Just to see famous sports athletes make the right decision around this is just kind of a good thing in general. Especially with Bradley Beal being on the other side of uh, history. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Well, that's, is, apparently I, it's, it's, his wife is a big anti-vaxxer or something, right? I, I, I can't speak to that, but uh, I can, you know, people were asking me, Last week, you know, why haven't uh, the Caps, why hasn't uh, Monumental and Capital One Arena uh, made it a requirement that you be vaxxed or show a you know, recent uh, negative test or whatever it is, uh, like so many other um, arenas have around uh, the league, uh, the NHL and other leagues? And uh, the only reason I could come up with why they wouldn't do it, especially being in such a vax friendly environment as uh, this area is, uh, the only reason I could come up with is that they must have a prominent player or more than one player who's not willing to. And they can't very well say, uh, "Okay, fans, you have to get vaxxed, uh, even though uh, one of our stars isn't vaxxed. And, you know, I didn't know who that was. That is the only reason I could come up with. But uh, Bradley Beal apparently uh, is is that guy. Now, is that the reason? I don't know. But it makes sense to me. And it's the only thing I could think of. So, you know, bottom line is uh, these vaccines are uh, 
safe and effective and they're our best way out of this horse shit. And uh, so everybody go get your jabs and uh, be like the caps. Yeah, I like that. It's really not that bad, I promise. It's uh, It wasn't, I think I had side effects on the second one for like a day and then it was fine. <laughs> that was it. I would love to see what percentage of our listenership is vaccinated. I think that'd be really interesting. But I, I would hope it's 100%. Please get vaccinated. Please, please, please. Now, moving on to the season here, guys. <laughs> We've got only a few minutes left. Um, when we kind of look ahead here and, and we try to think about what we want to see from the Capitals this season, and, and not just what do we want, but what do we think is realistic? And I think to me, uh, th- this is a year where the question is going to be playoffs. I mean, are, are the Capitals a true contender? Uh, I don't think any of the three of us are going to say that they are anywhere close to the level of contender they were in, you know, 14 through 18. Um, they, they certainly don't have that same level of star power, but they, in my mind, they're still a team that, that should compete and should make the playoffs. Uh, John, where do you, where do you see them? Um, I mean, it, it, it probably is, they're probably in uh, maybe a, a third tier, uh, a second tier in the East. Uh, if you have a team like um, Tampa at the top, and uh, I think you could probably throw teams like um, Carolina uh, in there and Boston, uh, the teams that... Uh, probably are truer contenders uh, than the Caps are, at least on paper right now. Um, so I think the Caps could be a second-tier team. I think that they're in an incredibly difficult division, and I think that it's going to be a uh, a bit of a dogfight to see who, who gets in. There aren't enough spots for uh, all the teams uh, in the division to – to make it into the playoffs, all the good teams, obviously, you know, uh, are the caps way better than Pittsburgh, Philly, or the Islanders, or maybe even the Rangers? Uh, I don't know that they're, that I'm prepared to say they're clearly better than those teams. Uh, I think they're clearly not as good as Carolina. So I think you're probably looking at, four teams maybe five teams looking for three spots and i think the caps are certainly one of those teams and uh you know history says that they they find a way and uh they get there and so i think they will um but you know this is not a team that ever is going to be happy just making the playoffs. Uh, and they've had, uh, as we know, three straight first round losses after uh, winning the cup. And, uh, you know, at, at some point that really needs to change because just making the playoffs isn't uh, good enough. And uh, so, you know, if we're talking about how do you measure success for this team, uh, I would think, it, it starts with getting to the second round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that you could fairly say anything past winning two rounds would certainly be a, a successful season and uh, probably a little surprising to me. But uh, so I guess I, I guess I have them pegged for making the playoffs and losing in the first round. I mean, I guess 
that's a pretty safe bet around these parts the past handful of years. So I can't believe you'd be uh, predicting a Caps first round loss. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, I mean, but this time, this time, I think I, I might be betting it uh, on just uh, you know the actual quality of yeah. uh, what I expect to see, and and it not being necessarily uh, an upset loss. Not the not the last year. No was an upset loss or anything, but, um, you know, I think that's the caliber of team they are right now. They're probably a slightly above fringe playoff team, um, in a very tough division, uh, that is capable of going on a run, but I, I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. That's, that's about where I feel too. Greg, what we're, let's get some optimism from enthusiastic Greg. Yeah. All right. Well, let me let me give my best shot with some optimism here, which is uh, the Metro division is good, but I think it's also weird. Right. Like I think the I think you would definitely say Carolina and the Islanders are probably the kind of consensus favorites at this point. But the Hurricanes lost. Maybe you would say their best player, maybe their second best player. I don't know how you want to rank Dougie Hamilton, but like Dougie Hamilton, I him leaving makes that team, I think, a lot worse. And they, they made their goaltending a lot worse, too. So, you know, the problem, of course, is that where did Dougie Hamilton go? He went to the Devils, which are kind of a, I think, a consensus sleeper team there. So, you know, and then the Islanders, everyone's like, all right, like they, you know, they've made the Eastern Conference Finals all these years in a row and all that. But I think it's also worth saying they haven't always been a great regular season team. In fact, no, I think fuck last the year they... Yeah, I also agree. Agreed with that, too. But also, like, the Caps dominated them, um, you know, in a couple of games at the end of the year. So, you know, and they didn't look great going into the playoffs. So, you know, I, I don't actually know what to make of it. I see a lot of teams in the Metro division that are kind of question marks. Like, I mean, do we want to say the Devils? They were awful last year and even worse the year before that. But they got a lot better. Are they are they a fringe playoff team? Maybe. You know, I think the only the only obvious team here that's going to be bad is the Blue Jackets. But, you know, I think you could see the Rangers, Flyers and Penguins all. I don't I don't know what they're going to do. Right. And like, I mean, put the Capitals in there, too. And you say, all right, like, I don't know if there's a super obvious number one team. And so maybe the Capitals are right there just because the rest of the division got really weird. And I don't know that there's a, you know, a super surefire number one team in that division. So like that, that would be my best case with optimism. And, you know, I think the other thing that's worth noting is that again, the Capitals do really well in the regular season and they just always have, and it's, they've done well in years where you don't think they would have. Right. So I, you know, and maybe, a little more optimistic on the Capitals in the regular season. Um, the problem there's, I think I see two big problems with them. You know, one is that we talk about age, right? And that's, you know, they're potentially starting out hot and then they get tired and then they, you know, because they're older and this is going to be a full season for the first time in a, in a few years. So, you know, maybe they really start to struggle, particularly maybe in like, you know, February or something like that. You could, you could see that. But I think the other bigger problem is that I think for better or for worse, the Caps are locked into this roster, 
right? Like, if they struggle, I don't really know the super obvious place that McClellan would go to try to improve the team, right? Like, all of your best players are your top dollar players. And if they don't perform, there's just no obvious solution for the Capitals midseason, I think. Except maybe play McMichael, but I don't, I don't think that that's a panacea for their problems. So... I guess that's my best hope of optimism, right, is saying that I think the Metro is a little bit weird. I have a tough time getting a read on who's going to be the best team. So, you know, maybe you say the Caps are in there in the sense that everyone except for the Blue Jackets is in there. But if the Caps struggle to start the year, I think that they could be locked into a pretty problematic situation. So, Adam, that's my best attempt at optimism. How did I do? Uh, Sounded fine. I guess. All right, I'll take that. <laughs> not, 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 not sure it sold me, but hey, that's all right. Um, all right, very quick rapid fire. Um, if I set the the, the over under for Ovechkin goals at thirty nine point five, JP, are you over or under? I'm under. Greg. Interesting. I think I'm over. Actually, I think that they. I'm also pegging this on two things. I'm going to hope that he stays healthy because that's obviously the most important thing for him. But I also say that, you know, if the Caps struggle and start to look mediocre, I, I, I think this might be the year where you really start to see them say, all right, like, let's put all of our eggs in the Ovechkin basket. Maybe we keep playing him to just rack up the goal numbers. I, you know, I hope that they're not in that kind of position to to, to have that be the pressure. But if, if they are, this might be the first season where I think you really start to see that. And so maybe maybe they kind of, you know, get get him over the finish line of 40 there. But uh, but what I, would I, that even what would that even look like? Like, I mean, is, is there a <laughs> planet on which the Caps are not currently trying to get Alex Ovechkin shots? Uh, I don't think so. I, that's their whole fucking strategy is feed this guy the puck and get him shots. So, like, what does you know, saying, oh, right, fuck it, we'll just get Obi some goals. How does that differ from their, like, basic game strategy? You know, which is basically, <laughs> fuck it, let's get Obi some goals. Because no one else on this team scores. So, you know, that that's, if they're headed in that direction, they're just, I mean, that that's where they are. You know, that that's kind of where they are. So, I mean, I don't know necessarily, uh, everybody talks about, you know, uh, the, the Caps have to decide whether they're all in on Ovi chasing the record or whether they're in on building a team. And uh, that's a, a to me, that's a, a false dichotomy because, uh, you know, I haven't seen a Caps team yet that uh, hasn't relied heavily on Alex Ovechkin scoring goals. And, you know, to the extent that that they're a better team and still trying to win, uh more OV goals come along with it and feed it. And, you know, I, I don't see them as distinct uh, exercises, but, you know. Uh, can I can I, can I I give what I think would be a, I'm going to give a rough metric for it, which is I have Ovechkin's uh, time on ice played uh, per game uh, at five on five for the last uh, few years. And it, um, you know, one of the interesting things is that uh, after seeing a couple of years where it declined, it, went way up in 2018-19, and it started declining again in 1920 and 21. And I think if you start seeing Ovechkin with like 
15 plus uh, average five on five time per game. Uh, that would be a pretty substantial rise from last year. And I think that might be kind of where we start to say, okay, like this is kind of what the Caps plan is at this point. And I mean, it's not a perfect dichotomy, but I think that that would be kind of the thing I would look for. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Uh, I, I guess I guess we'll see is how how uh, much they can play him. But I mean, either way, they're riding him and they're sinking or swimming uh, in large part on his production. So. So you're saying we shall see because his production will be below 40 goals. Uh, I think his production is below 40 goals this year. Yeah, that's I mean, that that, that is what you told us. Or right. so yeah. that. That was really my big one. Um, guys, I think he gets 42 goals. That's my prediction. So we'll, we'll see. Very specific. I think <laughs> 45 if he plays the full season. 45? There's, yeah, there's that string optimism. He's going to do great, guys. He's going to do great. You know, he doesn't even need to play with Nick Backstrom, apparently. All right, got- give, me, give me more of these rapid fire. I mean, that was like a 20-minute rapid fire. Yeah. So Kuznetsov, six, or 15 and a half. Points? Yes. Under. Greg. Yeah, well, uh, I think he gets more power play time, so then... It's rapid fire, Greg. Oh, all right, okay, fine. I'm going to say slightly over. Backstrom, 41 games played. Oh, God. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm going to go over on 41 games played because uh, it will literally kill my soul if it, if it's not Greg uh I'm I'm gonna go under I think that this is a bit, pretty big problem actually uh that's that's my prediction but maybe I'm wrong Greg hold on you set the benchmark for this last one really fast my thing isn't loading sorry um one this more. is the kind of preparation that we've come to. <laughs> I, I had it all it wasn't there premier capitals podcast 175 penalty minutes, Tom Wilson. Uh, I mean, under the, what, what did he get last year? Like what was, or well, like what, what, like what is 90, a typical Tom Wilson year? In 47 games last year, 90, but he did much better the year before that. 93 and 68. Uh, he was 187 and 78 and 17, 18. Yeah. I mean, under because yeah. he'll be suspended for half the fucking season. <laughs> Bringing the uh, bring it, bringing us, bringing us up here, right? <laughs> All right, All right, Greg. Uh, I mean, under that, I, you know, I again, like it, rapid it was, fire. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, real quick, string. You also said when uh, when uh, Alan May came on that Wilson does need to play with that kind of sandpaper and at least be on the edge and not be, you know, kind of playing passively. So I hope it's under, obviously, but like, you know. I hope he and he's not getting suspended for big hits. That said, I do want to see him get engaged, and if that involves a little bit of a raise in penalty minutes. That's a, that's a trade off I can take. It, it, it'll be under. I set the line way too high, but that I put money. <laughs> um, guys, those are the rapid fires I had. The Wilson one, I lost my number. So we 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 got what we needed. Uh, John, any wait, can questions? I do a rapid fire for you two, just real quick? Sure. Uh, over under John Carlson getting. Five Norris votes this year. Like five first place votes or five total votes? Five. Well, that, the five total votes is going to be low, isn't it? 
Yeah, way uh, low. Uh, let's say let's no. say thirty. Thirty total votes. You can go votes? first. All right. How many people vote, John? Is it like it's the whole? It's the whole fucking athletic, yeah. and then yeah, like, like uh, five other people. So people, maybe, or is it less than that now? I don't know. It's like 125 or something like that. Yeah, so right, like a quarter of them have him in his top in their top five. Maybe 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 we're getting bogged down in semantics too much here. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna use a, we, a wire weasel world. Will Will John Carlson get significant Norris votes next year? Uh, I have that he will not be a finalist, but he might be a, have a significant voting presence. Is what I believe. Uh. I don't think he's going to put up the offensive numbers to support a candidacy uh, like that. So uh, I, I think that he, you know, for the sake of argument, I say he finishes outside the top five in Norse voting. Yeah, I would agree. I think he's safely outside the top five. Uh, and I I think I think, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a little pessimistic, although he'll get his points on the power play. So, you know, that'll that'll help. Right. Yeah, that great power play that just killed it in the playoffs and just keeps <laughs> being impressive as hell with under uh, Blaine Forsythe's leadership. It's yeah. His hey, the, the the sun rises and Blaine Forsythe is in charge of the Capitals power play. Uh, oh my gosh, been a long time now. But gentlemen, I know we have a bit of a hard stop coming up. So unless either of you have anything you want to touch on here before we wrap this thing up. I don't. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm good. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Sprong does this year. That's my. That's my. That's my last thought. And congratulations to Luke on his engagement. I'm talking about. Um, all right, guys. To Sprong. To, <laughs> <laughs> uh, on behalf of myself, well, John, why don't you give everyone your socials? I apologize. I was. I. I, I didn't keep. Uh, no, whatever. At, at Japers Rink. All uh, right, there we go. Greg. And uh, at GregY underscore JR, find my stuff at Jaber's Rank. All right, perfect. Guys, thanks again for listening. On behalf of the team, this is Adam Stringham at Stringham A. And we're looking forward to uh, servicing you guys again this season. Mm-hmm.